0: You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message.
1: And we're done. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my sacrificial generosity to you guys is it's going to be a short sermon, so <laughs> um, So, yeah, I'm going to kick it off right with that. Uh, we are a church of sacrificial generosity. It's one of our core values. Uh, so sacrificial generosity is God's church is meant to be a people of love and good works. We will be generous, we will serve, and we will love our neighbors. And so uh, when we were talking through this, one of the things that came to mind is 15 years ago, I got to go to Malawi, Africa. And Malawi is called the warm heart of Africa. And uh, we got to go to this remote village and meet the chief of the um, village, village, that's what they're called. And uh, the the women made this meal for us. And it was a simple meal of rice and insema which is like, uh, kind of like grits, but a little, um, almost like a grits, mashed potato, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and then beans, super simple meal. And we're sitting there and we're eating this meal. And then like about 15 minutes in, we realized that the women have disappeared, the ones that made the meal for us. And we're like, where did they go? And they're like, well, they were so concerned that there wouldn't be enough food that they, they left. And that has impacted my view of sacrificial generosity, um, to this day. Like it is a willingness to give up our own comfort, to give up a meal. Um, it cost us something. And, uh, It changes us and those around us when we are willing to live in a sacrificial way. Um, and so our parable today kind of shows us a, like how not to live sacrificial. Uh, so uh, we're going to take a moment and look at Luke fourteen seven. And before we get too far into it, um, Jesus was at the home of a leader of the Pharisees. So he's like at a meal, he's at kind of a banquet, um, and so this is how it goes. He told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed they would choose the best place for themselves. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't recline at the best place because a more distinguished person that you a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by the host. The one who invited both of you may come and say to you, give your place to this man, and then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place, so that when you are invited, when the one who invited you comes, I don't know why it's hard for me to read this today, uh, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. You will then be honored in the presence of the other guest for anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So there's a few things that I notice right off the bat in this parable. One, uh, Jesus is telling this parable because he is like witnessing live action, these people like rising up and wanting to have the best spot. And um, so he's like, calling him out on their stuff immediately. Like, he's not letting it sit and then go, mm, maybe I'll talk about it later. It's like, I see it, I'm calling it. Um, and then, uh, I think we could be the one Jesus is talking to in this parable. Uh, I think, at least for myself, I like to put myself in the best spot. Whether that's my favorite seat at church or, uh, you know, just... A place to get noticed. And uh, I love what Jesus says here about how humility is what gets noticed. It's not about puffing up our chest and being the best, it's about being humble. And so he continues the parable by saying, talking to the Pharisee that invited him. He also said to the one who invited him, When you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brother, your relatives, or your rich neighbor, because they will invite you back, and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, or blind, lame or blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. And for for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Um. I don't know about you, but it is easy, and I enjoy having lunch with people that are in my circle. I love being able to be at home with my family and eat dinner with Shondaya, or over in Seattle and having, you know, food with my family, family, like my... um, But when was the last time that I interacted with somebody that couldn't pay me back? Can you think of the last time that you could? Um, And it made me... Think back to a long time ago again, when my youth kids came up to me and said, Jen, we want to throw a Thanksgiving feast uh, for homeless people and the low-income housing neighborhood right next door. And we want to do it on Thanksgiving. And I was like, all right, let's get a tall order. Most families have a, a thing that they do on Thanksgiving And uh, I talked to the church leadership, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go. And we were able to get, like, the whole church behind serving 200 people. And it was such a, like, it's this in action, the inviting those who are poor, maimed, lamed, or blind. And I loved that my teenagers came up to me with that. They're like, we want to do this. We want to live this out And I just got to, you know, walk alongside them and do it. So uh, let's be a church that loves, serves, and blesses those who could never repay us. All right, we have been talking about Rameses, and uh, as Rob pointed out, I found one, um, and it's been really interesting digging through the Old Testament with the guys throughout this. Because it's not something that I think comes normal. Um, Like, I grew up in the church, and this is the first time I've been like, oh, that points back to that. Oh, like, when we were talking about the judges thing and cutting them into 12 pieces, I was like, holy cow amazing. So um, this Remez comes out of the book of Esther, which is really funny because at the beginning of the series, Rob gave me crap for liking Esther a lot. And then I found this and I was like, it's true. (laughs) So uh, to set the story, a few weeks ago, we talked about how Vashti was the queen. She did not want to do what King Xerxes says, and so she got banished. And then King Xerxes starts looking for a new wife and a new queen. So Esther becomes that queen. And the king has all these noblemen, and one of them is Haman. And Haman is an Agagite? Agagite? I don't even know why I needed to bring that up other than to prove that I can't say the word. But essentially, <laughs> was from a tribe that hated the Jews. They he, he wanted to exterminate and annihilate the Jews. And so he had asked the king to terminate all of them. And it was going to happen on a certain day. And the king went along with it because he's not a very smart guy. Um, and so, but in the midst of all of that, Mordecai, who was a very... Um, prominent Jew in the Jewish community uh, saves the king from an assassination attempt. And so that's where we kind of pick up. Uh, The king that night couldn't sleep. So he ordered the book of Chronicles, the records of his reign to be brought and read to him, which this is kind of a baller move. I can't sleep, so come and read about me to me. Like, okay, (laughs) maybe that'll help me sleep. Uh, and it was found recorded that Mordecai had exposed bigthana Bith- and Teresh to the king's officers who guarded the door, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendant answered. The king... Said, who is in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. The king answered, Haman is standing in the court. And he, bring him in, the king orders. When Haman enters, the king asks, What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now, Haman thought to himself, Who is there that the king would rather honor than me? Bold statement. Uh, And I'm pretty sure he had this in his back pocket because he came up with it fast. So he answered, For the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with the royal crest placed on his head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes, Then let the robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. That's a very uh, prideful, excited, like, whoo, Haman thinks pretty highly of himself. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do what you have suggested for Mordecai, the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So back to that verse where Jesus says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Haman got, got humbled, maybe even humiliated. So Haman got the robe and the horse. He rode Mordecai and led him on a horseback through the city, proclaiming before him, "What is, done is what, this is what's done for the man the king delights in. Okay, so Haman's pretty proud. Mordecai saves the king. And imagine if you were sitting at this banquet and Jesus is telling about how we need to be humble, we need to take the humble seat, If this comes back at you as like, oh, Haman wasn't humble. Haman, like, I don't wanna be prideful. I don't wanna be arrogant like Haman because Haman's one purpose in life was to annihilate the Jews. And Jesus is comparing you to the man that wanted to do that. Yikes. Uh, (laughs) that, uh, That would like hit you with a two by four in the face. Like, that would be so painful. Uh, this should have taken them, shaken them out of their high and mighty feelings they were having about themselves. And I think that is the exact reason why we want to live sacrificially. We want to be generous with our time and our resources. We want to be people that humbly love those around us. So it makes me wonder is my own humility affecting my generosity. Uh, Because I believe the same people that were climbing for the seat of honor are also the ones who are only inviting the people that benefit them. Like Jesus said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And I think so often our pride is what causes us to be humbled or humiliated, And Haman got that first like, front center because at the end, (laughs) uh, Haman gets impaled by that pole that he set up in his yard for Mordecai. Uh, Which, this brings us to our implications. Um, And the first one is, in this kingdom, you are called to humility. Uh, I think there's lots of times in my life where I think I'm humble and then I get proven wrong or I get to uh, experience humility in a way that I did not expect. And uh, in what situation or with whom do you struggle to be humble? Humble. So uh, the next one, which this is where the story is going to come in because, uh, yeah, pride can be destructive. Pride can be destructive like on this big, like Haman wants to exterminate the whole Jewish population. But pride can look like um, my counseling appointment a few weeks ago when I was talking with my therapist and I have to have thumb surgery in 10 days. And she's like, Jen, you're going to have to let people help you. And I was like, nope, I'm good. I don't need that. Well, that was really convicting this week when God's like, that's a form of pride. Like, you not letting the body come and support you and care for you is just as prideful. (sighs) That sucks. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) So, can you identify areas in your life where you try to take the best seat and you have pride? Okay, then you are called, in this kingdom, you are called to identify and engage those who are alone, lonely, and, or hurting. Uh, when I first moved to Missoula, I um, spent a lot of time trying to find a church that would f- work for me and fit. And um, I found one, and I loved the preaching, I loved the teaching, um, I loved how they had a heart for missions within the city, um, and I kept trying to like engage. Like I went quite a few times, and I'd sit in the same seat because I'm a creature of habit. And uh, <laughs> I would sit there, and I'd sit behind these three ladies. And every time, I'm like, I should be friends with these women. Like they they look like me. They talk like me. Like we should connect. And week after week, it just they didn't connect, and they didn't connect. And finally, I was like, all right, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm a big girl. I can reach out. Like, and I reached out, and I kind of got rebuffed. Like, they were so busy in their circle that they didn't really want to connect with me. Um, and I kept trying, and it was like a good four or five months of me, like, really trying to plug into community. And it, finally, I was like, all right, I just don't know that this is where I'm supposed to be then, like... Um, and I think that's not what we're about here. I, like We are a church that loves people that come in from the outside. We are the ones that are going to notice the lonely and hurting. And so I guess throughout this week, what is in a way that you can improve seeing those who don't benefit you, seeing those that are hurting and lonely, and how can you engage with them? And our last implication is in this kingdom, some of the benefits are only reaped in heaven. Um, so when we're being generous, do you ha- when being generous, do you have a tendency to think how this will benefit you? Jesus really pulls this apart and says, this is what you should do, like you should live sacrificially. You should live humbly. And uh, today, um, a few weeks ago, I had a friend pass away from ALS and uh, today is his memorial back home. And I have been reading the post about Wayne all day today. And I don't know how much Wayne realizes the impact he had on people. He was such a humble man, and he loved people so well. And he was one of those people that just walked up beside you and made sure that you were doing okay. And I I think about how it must have been for Wayne and the benefits he must have, must have reaped in heaven. And I don't think he did any of it for heaven or for the, like, the crown and the jewels, but him getting up there, being healthy and free and getting to reap the benefits of the humility, the way he lived his life. I know it impacted my life, and I can only imagine how it impacted everyone else's. So we have some discipleship questions, um, and these are for us to discuss in our care groups, one-on-one, with our friends, uh, in, in a way to help us grow and change and become more like Christ. So, the first one is, in what situation, or with whom, do you struggle to be humble? Uh, (laughs) I know for me, it's when I think I'm better than somebody else. When I think I have it more together than them. The next one is, who have you noticed recently that is alone and hurting, and how can you engage them? Uh, The third one is, can you identify areas of your life that you go for the best seat? And, uh, yeah. How much of your time have you put into eternity? Uh, I'm excited to talk about this one in care group because I feel like So often, it's easy to get stuck in the day-to-day repetition and not think about what eternity looks like or how I'm impacting eternity today. When being generous, do you have a tendency to think, how will this benefit me? At CareNet, we had somebody give a really big donation, and I'm so grateful that he was willing to do that. Uh, and I was thinking, man, that is sacrificial generosity. That is like, but then he pointed out he was doing it for a tax write off. And I'm like, I am grateful that we were the nonprofit that he thought of, don't get me wrong, but it changes when there's a motive behind it. So. When being generous, you have a tendency to think how this will benefit you? And that's going to lead us into our time of communion. Um, and part of the beauty of communion is that we get to partake in the reminder of sacrificial generosity every week. Jesus was the perfect example of generosity, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he came to earth to show that, which is so beautiful. So while Scott is passing this out, why don't we take a moment and um, consider that?
0: Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana, if you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side.